Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome, everybody, to The Psychologist Are In. I am Maggie Lawson. And I'm her podcast partner in crime, Timothy Elmitson. And this week, the tables are turned. I am interviewing Tim. I learn a lot. I learn many new things. After all this time, I can't believe there's still so much I don't know. But more importantly, and most excitingly, if that's a word, Tim shares with us some very special announcements about things that are upcoming in his life and career. So please enjoy this episode. I got to say, in listening to our episode yesterday, what a, a really lovely job you did of being open and gracious with your answers. Well, and I'm there going were to, very I'm going good to try questions. And, I'm going to try and match that energy. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I don't think you should be too scared. I think these are just Uh-oh. fun questions that I Uh-oh. have. Look how, by the way, even I can see that I feel like my teeth look whiter because somebody got a teeth <laughs> cleaning today. And we were literally, what were we, two hours apart? Yeah, I think so. Oh, it's so good. That's so funny. We were were both in the same dental hygienist chair um, an hour apart. I had an appointment on Tuesday. And I, but I was not feeling well, as you know, I've, I've had a cold this week, a non COVID, a cold vid, as my doctor said. Yeah. It's like a lot of people have this cold vid, which people think is like maybe having COVID, but anyway, it doesn't matter. So I had this little thing and I had to reschedule my appointment, but I needed to get it done. So anyway, I am at the appointment and I'm about to leave. And Dr. Shemla, who we love, Dr. Mark Shemla on Beverly Hills, if anybody needs a great dentist was like, Oh, Tim's coming in in a couple hours. (laughs) I mean, if you like, like charming, handsome of course he is. to be your dentist, then I mean, if you like, if you're would, into that kind then of he's your guy. Anyway, Tim, you look fantastic. I like the gingham. It feels a, a bit transitional fall into. I haven't busted the gingham in a long time. And um, no, no, I like it. Since you said that I look good, I have to say to you, how dare you, madam? How, how dare you look this good for being as sick as you were this week? And I know you had a very I... hectic week and you were really sick. And it was, it was a week again. How dare you? Cause you look fantastic. Thanks, Tim. I got a new light and I've discovered, here's my light. I discovered that this is one thing. This is something else. <laughs> I love the underlight. So I've noticed like hosts and people on like the voice or, you know, anyone sitting at a table that has like a panel, America's got talent, any of those things, they all have lights. Here, okay, see if I can do something now. Yeah, I, 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 mm-hmm. mm. I mean, it it looks a little like we're telling ghost stories, but like, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> almost Halloween spooky underlighting from the chin. I love that if nobody has the Patreon, they have no idea what we're talking about right now. Wait, and by the way, if you don't have the Patreon, what is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, get that Patreon. Okay, hi, Tim. Hey, Maggie. We've mentioned the gingham. We like it a lot. We have not mentioned that it is like 90-something degrees in LA right now. It was pretty stupid hot. Is there is there enough Sternbush? I'm, I'm not... I mean, I just... I was trying to walk, Look, walk the fine line. Here's the... I don't feel like we can ever have enough Sternbush. So for me, that the answer is always going to be like, no, it's not enough. But... Uh, but That's I the answer I was like, looking for. 
But I feel like for the the view and the Patreon and the like, whatever the what everyone's listening to right now, they're gonna wonder what we're talking about. And I would say it's just enough. Like it's like a okay. tease, you know. It's like a. Yeah, I don't want to overdo it. No, don't want to give it all away, you know, up front. You know, and you gotta leave them. You gotta leave them guessing. Gotta leave them guessing. It's gotta be little mysteries more sexy. So this is another ATA, but not an ask taggy anything this is an ask tim anything but really it's just maggie asking tim anything it's not everybody it's just me i did a little finger counting today we are booked for four solid live shows across the both coasts four center of the country right and very possibly five hopefully five yeah hopefully, hopefully five. five okay so it's four if not to five. More after that yeah, if not more after that. Well, we have some things we are working on. So uh, we'll hope if they come through, it could be seven. You never know. There's much joy afoot. Much joy afoot. Afoot is such a fun word. Uh, Tim, are you ready to help me podcast the shit out of this Ask Tim Anything episode? Maggie Lawson, I would be honored to help you podcast the shit out of this. I hope so, because it's your turn. These are not oh, difficult shit. questions. I love we act like this is like the hot seat. It's more just like you don't know what I'm saying. Like we did not prep. And these are random, by the way, because we know so much about each other. So part of me was like, what would I possibly ask Tim that like, I don't know that I've also be like super curious, super curious to know. And I started to think about you as like a kid. And I was like, Tim. What was your first paying job? What was the first thing you did? Not acting necessarily. I just want to know the um, first paycheck you ever earned and how did you earn it? A bit of dough was babysitting. You were a babysitter? Not only was a babysitter, I was a Red Cross certified babysitter. Like Red Cross, like CPR, like trained. Yeah, wait, like hold, you, hold you, on. <laughs> <laughs> wait. You, you go to. There's a Red Cross certification babysitting well, in chapter. Well, the early to mid '70s, there was. Yeah, it was like a little side class you could take after elementary school or something like that. And what did you learn in the Red Cross elementary school so that you could babysit? Uh, oh God, I love I'm this. sure there was some CPR involved, and I think that had to change a diaper and things. I don't remember all the details at the moment. Okay, so your first paying job was was being a babysitter. Okay, what was the first time? Because that's usually like paid in cash, and that's like. What was your like first, like I went, applied for a job, got the, the job. First, honest to God paycheck was I managed a, oh, it's funny now that I think about it now. I managed a shop. What which kind was of a, shop? It was called the wild, it was called the wild core card joke and uh, gift shop. It was this little shop in, in Crossroads Mall, outside of Crossroads Mall in Bellevue, Washington, which unfortunately is no longer there, which, so I, I would go in and like, I was the manager. Like I had to like do all the men. I was doing all the like adult manager, like, running the cash register and then cashing out at night and ordering stuff and dealing with customers and customer service. And so I worked in, I worked in a joke shop. <laughs> it, was more, it was more of a novelty store than a joke. I was about shop. to say like puzzles, magic, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. Really? Were you like a fan of the shop? Is that no, how I you got I don't the know job? How, I, I think it was, it was right next to a Baskin Robbins. I used to go to with my, uh, my extra never would, uh, I'd help him with take out the garbage to the um to the dump, and Mr. Callahan and I would go and get all the ice cream. 
Oh my God. I love this. Which I think that's maybe, I don't know how, when I must have walked in there one day and being the little like gumption kid, Hey, need looking for a job. And um, I don't know, but that was my first. And then after how that, old are I, you? Um, uh-huh, go on. I was um, 12, maybe. I mean, it was solid mm-hmm. teenager. It may be into 13. Used to ride my mm-hmm. bike there. Um, after that, when I was 15, I got a job at, at the John Dance Movie Theater in downtown. I knew Memphis. this. Now, this, I knew. This. We, we talked about this with um, in the previous Yeah. Yeah. So I would, and I you'd would, watch movies. I'd watch movies and hang on the back and watch movies and tell the dumb, ask the dumb kids to take their seat, feet off the seats. And I'm going to ask you then what one of the questions you asked me was what, what moment, what was the moment or event or movie performance, stage screen, whatever that you knew or thought you wanted to be a performer? Okay, I will because I will tend to land the plane on this because I can speak on this for a long time. But I started in like junior high, like doing junior high, seventh grade drama was one that just really made uh-huh. my head explode. But the thing that the moment where I was like the light bulb moment was, I think it's maybe like fifth or sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. We took an element, we took a school trip, a school field trip to um, the Seattle Rep because Seattle is, is a great theater city. Yeah, it certainly was at the time. We both grew so, up in good theaters. Louisville's also a good theater city. Yeah, very lucky. So I remember being in this student performance audience yeah. of Death for Salesman, and um, oh. when it gets to the, the big climax scene between between Willie and Biff, mm-hmm. like with this just this that tremendous scene. If you know the play at all, it, it's it is the yeah. crux of the play between the, yeah. the relationship Major. with his father and son. Yeah, and at the end of the scene, I think it's at the end of Biff's monologue, the entire student body, student audience bursts into like just spontaneous huge applause and it was it was just this really cathartic thing and i and i remember thinking i want to do that like if 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 you can if someone can be that powerful to be on a stage and hold the attention of a bunch of dumb school kids elementary junior high school kids who, who don't want to be there anyway it's like if, if you can do something that powerful to hold the attention of these children and then make them all just like meld their emotions to make them just burst out into applause i was like that's what i want to do don't know how i'm gonna do it, but that's what, and that was the moment like truly just the light bulb went off so had you known before that moment, like, had you known like, like, oh, I'm good at this. I, I'm great at telling a story. I'm great at telling jokes. I am, I can be in front of a room. Like, did you have any inkling yet of your own talent or was it from that, that you were like, oh, I'm, I want to do that. So let me go train and figure out how to do that. I had in like sixth grade, uh, Bellevue School District at the time had a really wonderful, it was called the Bellevue School District Theater. So they, um, they would, they would put like our, all the, all the kids could audition for the, to be in like the one school district play. Yeah. So I think in, in sixth grade, I started doing those and my, that was my first experience, like in a big, on a big, in a big theater on stage and going, oh, this, I really like this. But it was, so, really, it was when I got to seventh grade drama class right. that I got my, the first lead into play. You got the, the lead dad. in your. I was the dad, dad and cheaper by the dozen Clifton Webb. Oh, and, um, oh, that's awesome. Which, if you know me, it's like, it makes sense because I was already playing an old man yeah. at like 12 years old. Yeah. You were always an old soul. You were always of like another era. You know, you always had this like, like mad men or like, like I think about you like that now that probably even then you carried yourself and like, they were like, oh, he's the, he's the dad for sure. (laughs) It's funny because, um, side note, sidebar on that topic. Um, the bar where I met Allison, when she and I first met when we were, um, early twenties, maybe. Yeah. My nickname was, uh, daddy, not for the reason the kids use the term now. This podcast is sponsored by Naked Wines. Ever walk in a store and have no idea what wine to get? 
Yeah, me too. All the time. I love all wine. I don't know what to pick. I wish there was a way to know I would like a bottle of wine before I have it. That I knew it was tailored to my taste and preferences. Well, now there is with Naked Wines. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet, so you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you would like, for a fraction of the price you'd normally pay in stores. How do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and everyday wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard to door delivery up to 60% off of what you would pay in the store. So by cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markup, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. As a result, you'll get exclusive access to hundreds of top quality award-winning wines and significant savings, making Naked Wines perfect for any kind of wine drinker. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. The wine is so good. It's such a good deal. They sent me, so there was like a sparkling wine, like a Blanc de Blanc they sent me that I just like lost my mind over and I thought I had tasted most of, (laughs) I'm still surprised when I can like taste a new sparkling wine that I haven't tried that's it's just insane. It's so good. Naked Wines has been around for over 10 years and funds over 90% independent winemakers. With no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project for an independent winemaker. So you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. Isn't that cool? All these people trying to make wine, they have like a way now to get their wine out there and you can try it and help them. I just love it. So I'm a huge fan of this. So head to nakedwines.com pineapple and click enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website. Enter pineapple for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 and shipping included. Like, also, again, the holidays are coming. I just keep thinking, like, what a treat for somebody. 40 bucks. It's so great. Anyway, that's $100 off, just so you know, with the pineapple. You've got to use code pineapple. Less than $7 a bottle. This is incredible. I can't stop talking about this. I'm such a fan of this company. Nakedwines.com slash pineapple and use the code and password pineapple and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time. Nakedwines.com slash pineapple code and password pineapple for $100 off your first six bottles. Food waste is no good. Food waste is a global issue that not only squanders valuable resources, but also has significant environmental, economic, and ethical consequences. Now, I have a Lomi, and it has changed the way I think about food waste. Lomi transforms my trash into treasure at the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns food scraps to plant food in four hours, like garbage into gold. It's amazing. The best part, there's less garbage. So there's no food rotting in my garbage and smelling up the kitchen. Now I only have to take the trash out on garbage day and no more leaky bags. It's really nice, it's very convenient, but it's also really good for the world. I turn my waste into nutrient-rich loamy earth that I can feed to my plants, lawn, or garden instead of sending it to the landfill. I can help the environment and make my life a lot easier. All of my food scraps, plant clippings, and even those leftovers I forgot in the back of the fridge can go into my plants, helping me grow more nutritious food at home. Isn't that the goal? Yes. And get this, the best part, Lomi's new app lets me track my environmental impact, earn points for every cycle, and redeem for freebies from Lomi plus other great brands. How cool is that? 
It feels so good to know that I am creating loamy earth instead of waste. I have a basically limitless supply of plant food for my garden, plus I'm helping save the planet. And by reducing the amount of food I send to the landfill, I'm helping do my part for the planet. That means less of a carbon footprint. Also, the holidays are coming. I think this is an amazing gift for somebody, like honestly. So anyway, whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash pineapple and use the promo code pineapple to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi, L-O-M-I dot com slash pineapple and use promo code pineapple at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's because I was always... Wait, why do the kids use it now? I think it's more of a... um... Oh, they do that. Like mother... Daddy, yeah, I've seen this. Yes, Devin can probably explain it a little better. I don't know. I believe it's more of a, an amorous, like. Oh, daddy is sexual. Mother is like a queen. I think daddy is sexual now, isn't it? Isn't when somebody says daddy, isn't it kind of considered like, oh God, I'm going to go I mean, there. I'm I, like, I've been a bad girl, daddy. I mean, it could go that way. Or like, or, or zaddy. I don't know. Because I also feel like we say that. Okay. But anyway, so your nickname. I'm a middle-aged man. What do I know? Why was your nickname Daddy? Because I was always sort of like being sort of an older soul. I was always sort of like caretaking oh. these, um, like Allison and um, you were like Mother Hen. I was Mother Henning. Was a, yeah, a lot of the um, the waitresses in the bar and right and Allison and Tim was Mother. Exactly, you were Mother, but it's just that you we, no, they weren't going to call you that, right? You were Mother. <laughs> yeah, just so Allison just always joked that like I would just always just checking up on people and caretaking. Right. Okay. You still do this. Um, <laughs> you still do this yeah when Alice and I first met one of the things like I would always try and like make sure she was keeping up on her on her doctor's appointments because she was just bad about going to the doctor about stuff so well, like I actually like I would I would eventually like call and just make the appointments for her and then drive her there okay well I'm gonna then maybe switch I'm gonna keep going with this because I have other questions but I, that get into Allison because I learned something even new this week about your like proposal because Tim and Allison celebrated their anniversary this week. It was 26 I, years, woohoo! 26 year anniversary. And they were posting about it. And he sent this picture that was like from, it was Michelli's? Michelli's. It was Michelli's. Michelli's is how we say it. Okay, Michelli's. Okay, but hold on, because that's you, you brought up your first date with Allison. Now I'm like, okay, but I still want to stay on your performer part. So let's put a pin in Allison. Hold on, okay. not literally. And then we will, we'll come back to that because I still want to know you saw something and you said, I want to do that. I want to be on stage because these kids were completely captivated. You knew you had some talent for this already and kind of hunger for this already. Especially in junior high, like junior high, I mean, elementary school wasn't great. I didn't have many friends at all. Junior high was brutal. Sorry, not not to sad sack it up, but, um, Junior high was Why? really, really, really beautiful. Just, I didn't have connections with a lot of people until like um, ninth grade, I started making some really, really tremendous friends who are still friends to this day. But I, I just found that I, the moment I started making friends was at the lunch table, making my friends laugh. I just, I, I bet. 
I, okay. So, so then, and I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't athletic at all. I wasn't a great student, but theater is where it just, I was just at home in drama class. Mm -hmm. So I do two by the dozen and we do get out the first performance. Distinctly remember my dad coming or going to see my dad in the audience afterwards. And he had tears in his eyes. So he was really glassy out and emotional. And he said, where'd you learn how to be so pompous? Cause he was a very pompous character. Yeah. And, um, I think it's made some joke. Like I had a good teacher, not true dad was not pompous. No, I just remember moving my dad enough that he was um, in tears. Mm -hmm. So I, I went through all the junior high, like sort of hit all the levels I could within school mm -hmm. and then started um, Seattle Children's Theater as an amazing education program at the time. This was mm -hmm. 84 and they had a program called the Young Actors Training Program, mm -hmm. really intensive summer program, mm -hmm. which I, we didn't have a lot of money. So I, I got a scholarship to um, study at the Seattle Children's Theater in their education mm -hmm. department and would take the bus in to Seattle, and which made me feel very adult. Like the, I and, love that. Yeah, it's like so I would in like fourteen, mm -hmm. and my parents, like, my parents, like paid enough money for me to do this, and then I would also, um, like I said, I had a scholarship, so I would, I would do work study. Okay. Again, I'm an old man, so I would, I would work in the office of the, of the theater of the of this theater, doing sort of office stuff and okay, hanging, hanging then, out with the adults. And, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like you'd fit in really well in that environment. I, I it's funny. I, I when I was doing plays, that was where I always felt at home too. Like there were the kids, yes, but I felt really at home with with all the adults. Yeah, it was really so. And it was, the interesting thing about Seattle Trans Theater and that that particular program. So I was class of eighty five, and our friend Ethan Sandler, we've talked talked about before. Oh yeah, he was the class after. He was class of eighty five. Uh huh. Which, um, I don't know if I just got this mixed up. I was 84, he was 85, so, which we didn't find out until 20 years later. Oh, my God. Wait, you didn't know each other? No, we, we didn't know each other. But we grew up 20 years from each other. And the, wow, that's so but, crazy. But uh, it wasn't until our kids started going to school down here and um, hooked up with him and uh, we became, became very good pals. You all should do something together. I just have this weird feeling that you and Ethan should, like, I don't know. You all should just, you just could really make magic together. Oh, do you really want to dive into this that. one now? Uh, no, but okay. I, can we, I don't know. I, I didn't, that's not one of my questions. So Ethan is a, uh, was a, was a guest it. star. He was okay. a guest star on that show that, that we uh, can't talk about anymore. Right. Might've been that. the lava you took. He was the lava that I took. Oh, I love Ethan. I think he's just like the best. And then he turns out his, um, best friends with, um, our dear mutual friend, Joel McHale. Yes. Well, just wonderful. Can I just say something? Wonderful men. Just really, really wonderful men, all of you. Great, lovely, wonderful men. That's all. I Okay, go on. So I met Ethan. Ethan asked me to collaborate on a thing he's doing for, about Jill. So I did this thing for him. And then I've talked before that I am writing a solo show. I'm attempting to write a solo show. I've gone through many, many different um, friends because I'm not a writer. I, I had no idea how to do this. Since I was in the ICU with that thing that happened in my brain that was in all the papers. What? I had a stroke six years ago. Oh, I think I did hear something about that. Okay, I'd never know. Well, it'll be seven years in April. I know. But um, so anyway, so I've, I've been really trying to figure out how I can write this story down. Or, and I just didn't know where to begin. I went through a couple of different puzzle writers and nothing really was working. And then one day it just done was like, Ethan, my God, he's a genius. And um, yeah. so he and I started collaborating on it. And there's a there's a third collaborator that I got his permission to um. Oh! I didn't know we could talk about any of this. You shouldn't. I asked ATA would have been all about this because even I have <laughs> questions about what it is. But go on, please go on, because this so, is this um, is like pull over, everyone stop the car kind of. Um, this could, yeah, I think this could be. This could be a um, pull over. Level news. Put the weights down. 
Yeah. Whatever you're doing, just be careful wherever you are. Yes. I because we this have, is breaking. This is breaking news. So our third collaborator is a man, some of you may know named James Rode Rodriguez, who has come on to direct this thing and help us shape it. This being, just to clarify, this being a show, a one-man show, the Tim Amundsen, Timothy Amundsen, one-man show that, um, did you bring up to Ethan that you wanted to do, or was this something that he he came to you and said, we've got, because I remember talking to you about this a while ago and being like, document, just document, right? whatever. And I feel like Ethan came along and had this idea or you had the idea and the two of you spoke about it. And then it was just like, boom, that's what you should do. And now the last several years, I've been just writing email notes to myself. I've been emailing script notes to myself. And so finally um, I approached Ethan to say, Hey, can you help me? I want to do this thing. Can you help me craft it? But I'll tell you what really, really made me go. What, how, and is it going to be filmed? I don't know. I mean, but what I ideally want to do is I want to get back on a stage. And here's who was the input, who was the crux of that moment? You and I taking the stage at San Francisco Sketchfest, San Francisco mm-hmm. Sketchfest. Yeah. And walking out on the stage and uh, just how it made me feel. Yeah. Just sparked it on. I was like, I really want to get back on a stage. I had the same reaction to you at San Francisco Sketchfest because that was, we had done the panel at Salt Lake City when we did that convention. But I, to, to watch you perform kind of as we did with like the podcast. And I was like, this, get this man on a stage immediately. Like you well, lit, you were, yeah. I'm going to say you from that moment, have been so encouraging. I mean, when are you encouraging my life? Never, never not encouraging. That's Maggie Lawson. Even when it's bad, even when it's like, Maggie, I really shouldn't have another drink. Yes, you should. <laughs> Kidding. So, but based on that experience and so how I was processing afterwards and buzzing, thing, thing, I think I want to do this. And you just, you just really holding me up and propping me up and encouraging me that I, that is something I can do because I've, I mean, I have been, this is what the show's about also. I mean, many things. It's about, it's my stroke and recovery journey, not to bore y'all, but. It's the existential crisis that I went through of when you spend your entire life from 12 years old studying to be an actor and then you suddenly can't do that anymore. What are, like, what are you? And so I was been, I was so terrified even just walking on that stage, although I wasn't because I knew with me. And so um, it just really made me um, just the joy of making an audience laugh again. That is what you do best. I mean, that is where you are. I mean, Tim, it's so this is really one of so a, a lot of my questions are all along these lines and we're kind of covering it because one of the things I was also going to ask was what is the thing you're most looking forward to hoping that this topic would come up about the show and Ethan and James, what is the thing you're kind of most looking forward to in the future as you recover and you're performing again and whatever, what is the thing you're looking for? forward to most i mean we're already doing it but i mean it's it's all since my stroke it's it is well since the first movie that you and i shot in this room back mm-hmm. here our yeah. scene that movie from a show we can't talk about no but that was that was the beginning of my journey back to trying to rebuild my acting career and, and every every role since then every job since then whether it's a movie has been about just trying to rebuild and so i think the thing i'm looking forward to most is just what what is next? Because I don't know. I don't have a clear. I have a vague idea what I want, but um, I really I think it's going to start with. In fact, I know it's going to start with getting the show up on its feet. Yeah, you're already doing that. 
you're already in the process. Like, it's so fun to talk about now that you're talking about it. Cause I, I feel like there was a minute where you were like, we're not going to talk about it yet, but I'm so glad that James also gave permission to like, cause that was news to me. I didn't even know that little piece not uh, that long ago. I was like, Oh, this is like, I can't, you know what I can't wait to see is when this show is going on tour, how many people in how many cities, how many fans you have. And I don't, I don't, I mean, like there are fans, the literal fans, but also like from Frank Turner's to all of your supernatural family, to everybody who's going to be like, like showing up, wanting to come on stage and sing with you. One of my questions is about singing and be a part of this or crash, should we say, um, all of your, your shows in all the cities. It's going to be huge, Tim. So, and I'm so glad. Is this the first time we've mentioned actually what that project is on this podcast? I think, we, I think it is. I think we've talked about me writing something. I don't think I've specifically said what it was. So they've, you've heard it here first. This is Tim's. The, there is a one-man show, the Tim Timothy Amundsen one-man show that his dear friend Ethan Sandler and he have been working on, collaborating on. Tim's been taking notes throughout his journey of recovery. And Absolutely. our family member, James Rodé Rodriguez, is also jumping in. This podcast is sponsored by Relief Band. When it comes to nausea, you have to get Relief Band, the number one anti-nausea wristband that quickly relieves and effectively prevents nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. Relief Band is natural, it's fast acting, and will last as long as you need it. It's 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and has zero side effects. Relief Band has an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and over 100,000 satisfied customers. So they are a brand you can trust. Plus, Relief Band both treats and prevents nausea, so you can help avoid nausea from becoming a problem in the first place. And Relief Band makes a great gift for the nausea sufferer in your life. Have I not been raving to you all about Relief Band enough? I'm honestly, I can't stop talking about this. I seriously, I take it everywhere. I can get car sick in the back of an Uber. It helps that. I can. My my, my mom just had like a medical procedure, and she was super nauseous from before and after, actually. And she said the only thing that helped her was their Relief Band. I had vertigo last year. Only thing that helped was Relief Band. So I use Relief Band anytime I get nauseous, planes, trains, whenever, in the car, back of a car. Honestly, I have it with me all the time. So anyway, remember, you don't have to over plan for nausea relief or dose up to six hours before a trip. Just bring your Relief Band and you're good to go. Right now, we've got an exclusive offer for psychologists or in listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code PINEAPPLE, you will receive 20% off plus free shipping, which is a huge savings. So head to Relief Band, R E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use promo code pineapple for 20% off plus free shipping. BO comes from bacteria all over the body. So why do deodorants stop at your armpits? That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi, the world's best whole body deodorant. Whole body. It's acidified formula is clinically proven to control odor-causing bacteria everywhere. Armpits, your privates, and beyond for a whopping 72 hours. As an OBGYN, Lumi's founder, Dr. Shannon Klingman, met thousands of women concerned with odor below the belt. So she created Lumi, a pH-optimized aluminum-free deodorant that actually works, and it works everywhere. With over 150,000 five-star reviews to prove it. Special offer, new customers get $5 off Lumi's starter pack with code 
pineapple at lumideodorant.com. So what makes Lumi unique and different from other deodorants? Easy. Lumi is whole body. It's the first of its kind. It's seriously so safe to use anywhere on your body. Plus it's clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. Unlike some deodorants that try to mask odor with fragrance, Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. It's more like a pre-odorant. It's a pre-odorant. I love it. I love all the scents. I love that you can kind of use it anywhere. I am so sensitive to fragrance in deodorants and there's something about Lumi. I just love so much. I feel like it is, the scent is so nice and it works. It honestly works and it does work a long time. Plus Lumi Dorna has so many different scents like tangerine, the peony rose, minted cucumber, toasted coconut, and more. Ask me my favorite. I seriously can't tell you. I, I meant that when I said that before. So Lumi starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like mini body wash and deodorant wipes and free shipping. As a special offer for our listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code pineapple five at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use promo code pineapple five. The process was easy. So he would say, actually, in, this, in, in our little guest house, he, he would come over, we'd drink coffee. And for months, I would just tell him every story. I, I'd read him every note and just tell him every story I had from the moment the event happened with my brain to um, where I am today. So he really, he did, he's so, he just did an amazing job helping me compile this together. James came over a few weeks ago and we sat down and we told him the story, like sort of an outline. And he gave us great, tremendous notes on it of where he thinks we can improve it and what he wants to see. So I'm in the middle now of editing the first draft. Holy shit. And then eventually editing we'll get the it. first draft. There's a draft and there's you're in like it's this is I'm so happy for you and so proud of you because I know as your friend you've kind of hit some emotional points recently in the process of all of this and like I can't imagine documenting reliving also like where you're going. I mean, you all he sent me a text yesterday that he was like, he walked two miles, made a joke. I was like, holy shit. But then he like made a joke of how he had to walk off the meal the night before, which we'll get to in a moment. But like two miles? Which I had not walked that far since my sixth stroke anniversary last April where I walked two and a yeah. half. Yeah. And honestly, I, I like the updates of the two miles are, that's a really, really big deal. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just, I can't wait for everybody to see this. And I also feel... Um, there's a part of me as your friend that feels like I'm kind of happy when I like, mm, I don't know if that's the right word, but when I got the text from you, that was like, I'm, you know, I've been in some emotion about some things and I know going through this process of writing is emotional and all of that too. I'm excited because I feel like even to get the show on its feet and to tell these stories and to live, this is going to be such a release for you. Yeah, I, I think I it really is. Wait to see. Yeah, exactly. I, I and mean, I, I got to say, yeah. when I sent you that text of my very sort of vulnerable text, you gave me such tremendous advice <laughs> back that I, I screen capped your text back and put it in my script notes. I don't remember what I said. It's going in the show. I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine what I said. And anyway. I must say, you were also, this was just post your sexy colonoscopy. Ooh. 
you were tripping balls high, but yet you <laughs> I was still... like, I'm probably not going to remember this. No, this was important. This was it. No, See, you that... gave me wonderful advice that, um, again, I'm, I'm, it's, it's going in the show. This is, it's all going in the show because it's all part of the journey. Well, we, we love you. And this is a story that needs to be told. Okay. The, all of that being said, I part of the performing thing, again, we're going to get to Allison in a minute because I had some questions because I was like, I didn't know that since you will be singing on stage again very soon. When did you, when were you aware that you could sing? And I know that other show where you played the bearded King thing was a big thing, but I feel like we did a musical, we've done things like when in your performing did, were you like, Oh shit, I'm like, I can sing. I don't know if there was one moment where that goes to light bulb, but my dad had a beautiful, like a beautiful singing voice. He was a um, sort of an amateur saloon singer. Like ultimately he wanted to be a, he wanted to be a big band singer, which I didn't find out until I was in high school. I love that. That is so like Tim's dad. That totally makes sense to me. That that would be like a house you were raising. And this photo I posted a lot on Instagram of my very handsome dad, this like gray suit, holding sheet music and singing in front of the microphone. When his mother died, we got a big trunk from her full of like his life stuff. And my dad, he was a numbers guy. Like, I mean, he was a, a salesman, but he also dealt with, he dealt a lot with numbers. Mm -hmm. He would audit. He was an auditor of sorts. So not a creative man that I ever knew. So one day I get, um, we get this trunk comes, we're going through the trunk and there's this picture of him holding sheet music, singing in front of a microphone. And then we keep going through the trunk. And then I find some sheet music, uh, a song called, I think it was Magic Moon by Johnny O. Munson. I was like, dad, um, excuse me. What the hell? Oh my is god! This? He goes, oh, that's a song I wrote. That's the song I wrote in 1957. Oh, which I just, I just found god. again. So, um, it's like, what's his picture? He's like, oh, that's me singing the Elks Club in Helena, Montana, in like 57. Oh my god! Yeah, it just because he he was on the road a lot as for a sales job, and um, what he would do is he would um he would hang out in, in like piano bars and probably have a couple and sing. Wow, like father likes son in a lot of ways. Like that's like you. I feel like any instrument you would pick up, you you. You picked up the harmonica. You would pick up the anything and you, you'd be fine. I can't wait to hear, well, I've heard you sing a little, but I can't wait for part of the show or your life or our stage shows or whatever that is. But we will be singing on stage soon. Funny you should mention that timing because I just got a um, an email returned to me. So, you know, so I'm, while I was doing that show where I, where I wore a crown, I became friends with Tony Winner. Broadway legend Laura Benanti. Laura Benanti, sorry, I need to get her pronounced correctly. So he and I just she and I just started chatting and she's actually in the starting a one-woman show. So we were talking about that. And um I was like, oh hey, I'm doing one. And so she asked me if I'm gonna be singing in it. And so oh. I told her my I told her my struggles of um trying to how I've just now come to the point of wanting to start singing again. And she put me in touch with God love her. She's so kind. She put me in touch with her singing singing teacher. Yeah. Who I just prior to the podcast, I got a returned email from her. We're scheduling something for next week. Boom. To begin believing. my own. Believing. To be the own. magic of believing. Because I, I want to sing in this show, I think. Okay. But it's not just not singing I think. voice. You will sing in this show. I'm going to sing in this show. And I also it's yeah. also training my, my speaking voice. Take it back trying to regain some of that um, A-mile-long capacity and that theater school Shakespearean voice I used to have. It's became still there. sort of breathy and a my, my Well, think I've, I haven't, I haven't, I'll tell you what, no joke, this podcast has helped me so much because it's really- Your voice I, actually sounds great, yeah. Speaking with you every week and um, it's been, it's been, it's been my voice therapy. Your voice is sounding great. You're going to sing in the show. 
I'm just, ex- I'm, this is so fun. I, I, I could talk about this for an entire podcast because I, I didn't even know we could talk about that. The one man show. So I'm just, I now I, this, this is very exciting. I feel like I got the exclusive on, uh, on interviewing you about the show when really I have, well, I also have very silly questions about your engagement, your first date. I was a little hesitant to talk about it, but AHU and B to speak publicly about it. This is exciting. It, uh, no, because it really, it, I mean, it, it 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 makes me accountable. Yes, I totally get that when you say something, and now the pressure's on Tim. We kind of we kind of have talked in. I know we've talked on the pod before about me saying, "Okay, I'm going to announce that I'm writing this," but this is the most like in depth I've gone with it, saying, yeah. "Yes, I'm definitely doing this." And you want to hear the working title? Yes, there's the title. The what working the title working? right now is "Thank God It Happened to You." Oh my God. I love your face, which will be uh, explained. You got to come see the show to find out why that's the title. Okay. I well, Maggie's going to be the, um, the title. Um, you're going to be at our first, our first notes workshopping, obviously. Hell yeah. Are you kidding? Yes. I'm going to, I will, I will sneak in. I'm going to watch every, I'm going to watch every performance if I can. <laughs> okay. Tim, so you celebrated, we're going to pivot for a second. You celebrated an anniversary, your 26th anniversary with Allison's. You sent a picture. You were explaining that you went back. So talk about the first date slash proposal that you, I didn't know this. Okay. And um, and I was like, oh my God, what a brilliant thing. So first off, a couple things. How how did you and Allison meet? Well, how did you and Allison meet? Which I kind of do know that. So I feel a little weird asking that. But you went on a first date at at Michelli's. So we, I walked into a bar once, and um, shocker, I know. <laughs> but it was for business. I was going. I was applying for a job as a waiter. I remember friend Andrew was hooking me up with, and um, I don't know if I've told, I don't think I've told you the story. Well, you are getting asked me everything. Yeah. So I, I walk into the bar. My friend Andrew's standing at the end of the bar. Allison's behind the bar, and I'm immediately like, "Awooga!" <laughs> like I just just stone struck. By uh-huh. how beautiful she is. And um, I go up to Andrew. I was like, hey, what are you, how are you doing? Blah, blah. And we're chatting real quick. And I'm like, really quickly though, who's that? <laughs> and his answer is, oh, that's Allison. Mm-hmm. In a very loaded way. So I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So um, like good enough. So I go up to um, I go up to the and I order a drink. I order a sapphire martini, which is um, which is my my gin drink, my go-to gin. She's also the first drink I ever had in a bar with my dad. And then she she jokes that you ordered a you ordered a drink that is the bottle of the same color of your eyes. Uh-huh, of course. You're like, well, I'm, not, I'm not dumb. I like this that you just did. are like, yeah, go on. This is a good girl. I mean, it was every guy in this bar was hitting on her. I mean, being, you know, a, a beautiful bartender, waitress, you're constantly getting hit on. And so, um, I mean, I didn't, um, I did not make any hits there because I was just dumbstruck. So after I go up to my buddy, Andrew, and ask who that is, and it's the, he, she then goes up to him and I'm, uh, this way I will, will to my own heart. And she goes, who's that tasty little morsel? <laughs> and then um so i go to pay eventually i um then I, I i got hired there and at one point they made me a manager so we would hang out after work a lot and i'd we'd go to into hollywood and go to like all night diners and sit and chat and get to know each other and there was a moment where i finally said um is your heart open mm. and um so romantic so um and so we like we started hanging out and just getting to know each other and that was it. And then nothing happened until um and then uh, Valentine's Day came around. I don't remember the years anymore, but um, I was on the phone with my buddy Charlie, and I was telling him about this girl. I was like, "Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen." She's still seeing this guy. She back when there was this call waiting. She cl- she calls me. I click over, and it's Allison, and she says, 
I can still be your Valentine if you want. Oh, oh my said, God. No, because part of that, I said, um, instead of look, Valentine's is coming up. I want you to be my Valentine if you can. Oh, my God. This is the sweetest thing ever. So then I get the guy. She calls her and she says, I can be your Valentine. So what did you do? A, did you just, were you, were you just like over to her house? <laughs> I go to pick her up. I take her flowers. She literally hits me with the flowers. Oh. She like socks me like kind of in a playful, gentle way. She's like, this isn't a date. It's like, this is absolutely a date. Are you kidding? Because I've been, she had been playing hard to get for months. Why did she not think it was a date? I don't know. You'd have to oh, that's that so funny. Okay. So, um, yeah, she, so, so you bring her flowers. She hits you with the flowers. She's kind of socks me with the flowers and says, this isn't a date. I'm like, what? of course this is a date. What do you think this was? It's taken me months for you to agree to actually go out with me. So um, that was the first day. We went and saw a movie in, in Hollywood. And for dinner, we went to Michelli's, which is on Las Palmas, off of Hollywood Boulevard. It's been there since 1948, which is also our, our sort of relationship was always about old Hollywood stuff. So we ha- And we get this waitress named, this old woman named Tony. And Tony had been there since 1948. When it opened. Very, yeah, when it, she's a very charming woman. Mm-hmm. She's on a date. And she points to her wrist. She has a rubber band on her wrist. And she says, do you need a rubber band? Like, why? She goes, well, oh, because one day a, f- a guy came in and he said, Tony, hey, are there any um, jewelry stores open? I want to I propose to my girl. And she says, uh, no, it's too, everything's closed. She goes, but here, use this rubber band. And eventually, so she gives her the rubber band. He uses the rubber band to propose. At one point, he comes back, shows her the ring instead of the rubber band. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So we've been, we were dating now for like five. Is this this story you wanted, right? Yeah. I want it all. So we'd been dating for, I think it was maybe five years. We sort of, we had, um, we were living together. Like I just, <laughs> like I never <laughs> left after. I thought I never left. And then, and then we, yeah. so we've been dating for a very long time and um, living together. And it was pretty obvious that marriage was the road we were going. Mm-hmm. And I knew what kind of ring she would have wanted. So I, I, I had a ring made, burning a hole in my pocket. Mm-hmm. So I guess the time like, okay, well now it's, I can't remember what the memo was like. I'm ready. We're ready to take this deck. I'm going to propose. So like, well, I, what am I gonna do? I gotta gotta go back. To, gotta go to Michelli's. So I arranged to get the same table where we had our first date, and found out when Tony was gonna be working. And Tony only worked on a Tuesday, I think it was. So Tuesday. it had to be this one specific Oof. day. Yeah. Because I want I wanted so because I wanted to be able to show Tony. I wanted to show Tony like, look, I don't need the I don't need the rubber band. So um, day comes around, we we make plans, and Michelli's, you'd buy you'd order a bottle of. A Chianti that had the um like the straw in the back when you ride on the straw, so you could you could ride on on your leg on the label. So I have a um. Oh, I saw this in the photo. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a. I think, yeah. I, have, I, think I have a first date. I know there was a first date bottle. Yeah. But I, I have a picture of the um the bottle where it says she said yes. <laughs> yeah. That's so and somewhere in in my in an, in an old wall in an old desk, I have the receipt from the day. Oh it says table number one and Tony's stamp on it. So we sit down at the table and she's sick as a dog. She's she had a really bad cold, but I really kept pushing her to go out to to go out to dinner. And she's like, like, no, this is the reason because I can't she's like, can't can we go next week? I'm like, no, we cannot go next week. We have to go tonight. Obviously, because Tony's it's the only night Tony's working for another like two weeks. I'm like, I can't wait two weeks to do this. So we sit down at the table, I order a bottle of Chianti, Chianti, mm-hmm. and uh and she's really pissed at me. But she's really she's crying, she's not feeling good. I remember going, Yeah, it's a, you're being a little selfish. Like I can't drink. Yeah. Like, I was just gonna say like, she doesn't want one. There's a there's a reason. Oh my god, how funny. Oh my god. And she was sick. And then everyone in the like our entire section of the restaurant knew it was about to happen. Oh my god. So then full story is at one 
we get, we have a couple of glasses, have a slice of pizza. And I push the table out of the way, get down on the knee. And she's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I, I'm so sick and I look awful. I'm like, I love you snotty and sneezy or however. Mm. And then she said, yes. And we, and then she left she, you waiting for an hour on the street. Oh, this is the other part you texted. You know, top now to 1997. When we actually, yes, we, so we got married at, um, so church on, well, it's right near Hollywood and Highland. It's actually, no, it's Franklin. It's Franklin and Highland. Mm-hmm. It's the Hollywood oh, University. Oh, I know that church. Yeah. Yes, it's the Methodist church. It's this beautiful mm-hmm. church built in 1928. Mm-hmm. I hear the bells. I can hear the bells from my place. That's right. You, you sent me a picture from, from your balcony. Yeah. I was like, oh, the church in the background. Yeah. But the amazing connection to that church was, as we first started dating, I lived in, I had an apartment around the corner and we would, um eventually the, the restaurant where we met closed. We were um just dirt poor, like literally rolling panic, rolling change. So we could like go to, we would just go to cheap movies and um rolling change. We'd go, we'd buy a really shitty wine and sandwiches from Trader Joe's. And we would buy like dollar tickets to the Hollywood Bowl. And you could mm. walk to the bowl from my house mm-hmm. or from my apartment at the time. And you walk up Hillcrest. One day we're walking back from the bowl. And walking, and we noticed this. Um, there's a little cabin, like it's a cabin off the side of Hillcrest. Mm-hmm. We kind of snuck down the side and looked, and it was just—it was a cedar cabin. And we're going. We both were like, "Wouldn't it be amazing?" Because we were, we were in an apartment in Beachwood at the time, small apartment, which was nice. But we kind of wanted—we were getting ready to get our own place. And um, we said, "Wouldn't it be amazing if we could live in a place like this?" Just wait, it's coming. And it was up the hill from that street. So um, no, I was jumping ahead. So we go we, one day. We're th- we, because we lived in Beachwood. We go to the Beachwood Cafe one day, have some lunch, walk out, and there was there was a there's a reader board. There's like a public a public you know notice board, and we see handwritten note on a on a like four by five index card, Cedar Cabin in the Hollywood Hills. Like what? So we take that on the number. We go see it, and it's it was the cabin, and we entered for this guy Alvin, who was like, look, um, there's three other people already in line for this, but I like you guys. You can have it, and that's the cabin where we met um, Tracy New from Vancouver. Yeah. Because there was there was the main there, she lived in this main house which was built in like the 1880s by a man named Doctor Quackenbush. Kid you not, that was his name. Fake name. Fake he was name. A, he was a doctor in downtown, and it was like you know a several hours hours carriage ride from downtown his office downtown to the, the main house. He had three. He had four daughters, and he built four satellite cabins. So we ended up living in one of those cabins. I love hearing this. Also, I find it hilarious that I had to convince you of, of things like the magic of believing when your whole <laughs> effing life, including a cabin that you saw one night walking home from the Hollywood Bowl, then became your own. You are magic, Tim. You are a magical being. And from anyway. that cabin, we could see Yamashiro. because mm-hmm. It's sort of across the canyon. Mm-hmm. I think Yamashiro was our, our second date. Oh my God, really? Well, it was Yamashiro and we, we doubled up that day and Musso Franks. So oh Musso Franks has always been very special to us. So, which is, well, that's why we went to, we, last two years we celebrated our anniversary of Musso's. Which is what you sent me the thing yesterday of walking two miles and I went, holy shit. And you said, well, I have to walk off the dinner from last night, which was your dinner at Musso and Franks for your anniversary. And Musso and Franks is so, if there was ever a, in a restaurant if there was like if you could sum up tim in a restaurant it would be musso and franks it's classic it's old hollywood it's wonderful it's they're definitely not stingy with the drinks but um, you can still if you request it early enough you can get the chaplain booth because i mean it's like it's been yes. it's, it's a it was it's the oldest restaurant in hollywood it's 1919 yeah. and open and it's still you feel it when you're there 
It's a place you step into and you feel something, and not in a cheesy way, not in a way that's like, this is corny and we're trying to recreate something, but in a way you can just feel the weight of the people and the energy of like the time and everything that came before. It is so, but it is so classically you. Thank you. I mean, that's yeah. that's a really that's the, the most high compliment you can you can give me. Orson Welles used to like go go to there for lunch every day. Oh, Orson right? Welles. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's so good. And I just I always think whenever I use the mention there, I think how many times did Errol Flynn or Douglas Fairbanks Jr. vomit in this bathroom? <laughs> how many times has Tim? Never. Yes, that's what. That's good. That's or to get out to the parking lot like a classy that's my gentleman. Tim. <laughs> that's my Tim. <laughs> I got one yeah. more uh, magical even connection to the church where we got married. That eventually became a school called the Oaks. When yeah. Lily was going to school here in Studio City and elementary school, when I was going up to do a shirt and show in Vancouver, she was not happy that school. So we, we switched over to the, to the Oaks. And then Nora, uh, Nora was also going to, this, to Carpenter Elementary. Because I was out of town and Alice was a single mom, it was too much for her to commute the drive to, to drive two kids to school at once. So we moved, ended up moving both kids to the school. Right. Which is where I became friends with Joel McHale yep. and Ethan Sandler. Who you share a hometown with, but didn't know there. That's so cool on the Oaks. I don't think I realized that part. I knew the kids went there, but I didn't realize it was the same church. Like that was all part of the same same deal. That's and, crazy, Tim. Yeah, so it's your and your then, life is crazy. I also want the book. Like I know we're going to get the one-man show of like the stroke and the experience and everything that has happened since, but I want like the whole story. I want like... I want the I want the Tim autobiography. No, that makes me very shy and thinks that would be boastful and no one will care. But okay, maybe it'll come. There'll be something. It'll spin off the. It'll spin out of the one man show. I want to. Yeah, Tim. Yes. Wait, are you not writing a book? I'm not writing a book. Okay, that's gonna change. Well, Sorry. Let, me, let, me, let, me, let me get the let me get the let me get the, let me get the one man sh- so, let me get the solo like- show up first. I know. Sorry. I'm already. I appreciate. On, so I, like- <laughs> I know. I appreciate your, your enthusiasm and keep doing. Keep pushing okay. me. Yeah, I will. This is why I need you as my friend. Those were all my questions, literally. I kind of knew they all had pretty deep stories and would wander. And I, the biggest thing I didn't know we could talk about was the one man show. So, like, I, that, that's what I have for you, Tim. God, I, can't I, wanted, believe I, already, I can't believe I just I said the, the working title. We need that hashtag going immediately. Thank God it happened to you. Thank God it happened that's, to you. That's the working titles. Thank God it happened to you. That's the working title. And we can all be like, huh, what does that mean? Until we see the show and understand what that means, but then Ethan has um, some other ideas for for other titles. But I'm I think I'm going to stick with them. Thank God it happened to you. Well, it's your show, so. Well, so I'll discuss with my collaborator and my third collaborator, Jamas. Jamas, Tim, thank you for being so open and sharing all of that. Oh, I love that. You all are you all are incredible. Like as a couple, the story, the love story, everything you've been through, and still taking your girl to Musso and Frank's on your anniversary and driving past past the church where you got married. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a really beautiful, there is kind of a, a wholesome, uh, old movie quality to it. It's really, really special. It's really magical. Thank you so much for listening to our ATA, Ask Tim Anything. Uh, Maggie asks Tim anything. Please follow us on our Instagram at the psychologist are in our Twitter at psychologist pod. And please join our Patreon, patreon.com slash psychologist are in for full video and ad free episodes. We will see you next week.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.